When it comes to teen idols, Bobby Rydell is one of the originals, with hits back in the day like Kissin' Time, Wildwood Days, Wild One, and the legendary smash Volari. He played Hugo Peabody alongside Anne Margaret and Dick Van Dyke in the 1963 film Bye Bye Birdie, and continues to tour with his old friends and fellow teen idols Fabian and Frankie Avalon. He's also got a new book, Bobby Rydell, Teen Idol on the Rocks, available on Amazon and on his own website, bobbyrydell.com. I got to sit with the man himself for what was supposed to be a 15-minute interview and wound up staying for almost an hour. Great time talking to him, and he started talking before I could even hit the record button. He started rambling before I even had the chance to hit record, and so I got him in mid-sentence, and I'm going to play the interview right now in its entirety. I had asked him, as soon as we sat down, why he decided to write the book. Look, now, at that time, I was like 21, 22 years old. What you know about me at 21, 22? I haven't even started to live my life yet, you know? And then I go, I guess about two, three years ago, my wife, you know, Linda said, well, you know, why don't you really think about writing a book? So I said, that's, yeah, I said, I thought, this time in my life, I'm in my, you know, late seven, mid to late 70s, and, uh, and I got together with Alan Slutsky. And Alan, you know, did uh, Standing in the Shadows of Motown, he did the documentary. I've known Alan for God knows how many years. He's a marvelous guitar player. He writes a lot on my charts. So we got together. We sat and we, uh, for two years, you know, uh, with a tape recorder, a pad and a pencil, and I just poured my heart out, you know, and uh, here it is, you know, Bobby Rydell, Teen Idol on the Rocks. Now, you're reliving a lot of those. While, while going through these, did you, did you have moments that just lasted with you all day after your... You after mean your talking years? about yeah. different things? Uh, I would say the the hardest thing to talk about in the book was my first marriage with my uh, my my wife Camille. You know, we were childhood sweethearts. You know, we kept company for like ten years before we got married, and we were married thirty five years, two children, and she passed away in two thousand three. You know, and uh, via breast cancer, and. Uh, that was really tough, you know. The rest of the stuff, you know, kind of like was, you know, things that, you know, just, you know, I could talk about forever, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, Camille was very, very hard to talk about, you know, in the book. And you open up a lot about that in, in, in your book. Yeah. You were you were a drummer before all this, weren't you? Absolutely, yeah. My, my father, I was five years old, you know, he loved big bands. There's a place in Philly called the Earl Theater, and he had a Saturday afternoon performance, and uh, he said, I'm going to take you to see the Benny Goodman band. Well, I, I'm five years old, I don't know who the hell Benny Goodman was, and my father, you know, because he loved big band music, my dad. So he introduced me to that kind of music, and I'm sitting there, five years old, and I'm kind of like liking what I hear. But I said to my father, I said, see that guy up there, Dad? I don't know what his name is, but I, I want to be him. And it was Gene Krupa. And I've been playing drums since five years old. Matter of fact, I still have set my house and my music room, you know, and I, I go down and I play. You what know? kind of set? Uh, my old, my old drum. You had a Ludwig. That was one of the oh, first. Oh, I well, I had the original Black Oyster Pearl that Ringo, that, you know, back in 1964 mm -hmm. was. I said I had that set before him. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, and uh, for some stupid reason, 
Rogers came out, you know, uh, with a set of drums, and I traded my my Ludwig's in my Black Oyster Pearls for, and it was the the, the sorriest move I ever made in my life, because that was a you know a damn good set of drums, uh, the Ludwig drums. Now, did you and, take lessons, or you just started? Well, matter of fact, you said, "What kind of drums do I have now?" I took lessons from a guy by the name of Sam D'Amico. And he was on 16th and Wharton in South Philadelphia. He used to go to his house when I was, my God, let me say, 13, you know, 12, 13 years old. And, you know, and he taught me how to read, you know. And uh, after a year or so, he said, Bobby, I can't teach you anymore. I teach you, I've taught you all that I know. He said, if you want to go any further, you're going to have to go to New York City. And I said, man, I said, I just want to play. You know, I'm done. You know, I, I, I know how to read. I know how, you know, uh, I know different things about, you know, how you read, you know, a group of eighth notes. It's not one and two. And if you're going to swing, it's ba ba da da you know, right, and stuff. So uh, he, a uh, matter of fact, when he got married, uh, uh, I was his altar boy, you know, and uh, performed the ceremony. He passed away about uh, a year and a half, two years ago, but he had a drum shop on Ninth and Moy Mensing in South Philadelphia. And I went down, I, told, I said, Sam, I, I just want to get a set of drums, I want to have them in the house. I said, what do you think? He said, Pearl's a good set, you know. I said, okay. So I ordered a set of Pearl, and they came to his shop, I went downtown, picked them up, you know, and brought them to my house. Well, there's got to be an interesting story behind your first set, which was a Ludwig, because well, the those first weren't cheap back then. Well, uh, uh, well, no, I, you know, I, I you know, it's, I, 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 I really didn't know. But the reason I got that drum set is my father lost his finger in work. He was working in a place called the Electronite Carbon Company, and they gave him a bonus. So my dad, you know, really knew that I, you know, he had bought me a set of drums at one of the pawn shops on South Street in Philadelphia called Revere, and you know, and it was a set of drums, but they were terrible, you know, but it was something to bang on. But they were terrible drums, so he took me to 8th Street Music Sales uh, in Philadelphia, Center City, Philadelphia, and we went, you know, looking at different drum sets, you know, Slangeland, Gretsch, you know, they had William F. Ludwig, WFL, Black Oyster Pearl. I said, wow, that's a good-looking set, Daddy, and he bought it for me. I, I think I still have the receipt at home. Uh, I think it was something like five hundred or eight hundred dollars. Wow. <laughs> you know, wow. Yeah, really, back then. Yeah. You know, I you know I've looked you know I, I go on eBay and I look at a black oyster pearl William F. Ludwig. It's like you know four thousand. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really. Yeah. 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 Their their name continued, and and yeah. then the popularity from Ringo. Oh, Bennett, absolutely. Yeah. You know, everyone had to have one. Dino Donelli from the Rascals. Yeah, and, for sure. You know, they all had to have, you know. The pearl, the pearl guitar, the pearl drum set. Where do you go from behind the kit to the front of the stage? How does that happen? <clears throat> well, yeah, you know, I used to work with bands. You know, we we all we, we did weddings, we mm -hmm. did uh, serenades. Do you remember the serenades? Where you would, uh, uh, I know of them. Well, you know, <laughs> prior to the wedding, right. you'd go outside and serenade the bride. I love you truly, okay. truly dear. You know, you know, just you know, let me call you sweetheart. Bye right. bye. Yada yada yada. So you know, I would you know play drums and have a microphone, you know, a sure microphone, 
and you had to play around because there was no, there were no yeah. headsets. With, you know, so you had to play around the stand and the, and the head of the microphone. So that's what I do, sing and I play. Sing now was, I it, play. was it around you, between you and the snare, or did you have a boom? No, no, no. it was, be it was yeah, between right. you and the snare. Yeah, right. Well, the, the, the drum seat, the uh -huh. microphone, <laughs> and then the snare drum, floor tom tom, hi-hat, you know, that stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I've always enjoyed singing, and, you know, my dad is the one who is responsible for me, you know, because at a very early age he saw something in me and he used to take me around to clubs, seven, eight years old. And I would get up and sing and do impersonations. And I would get applause. And I would say, well, all I have to do is do this and they do that. What a wonderful feeling, you know. That's it. You know, so that's actually, you know, prior to my success with the hit records and TV and movies and so on and so forth, actually that, that part of my life was like my vaudeville. It kind of prepared me for things that were going to happen, you know, right. to me later on in my life, you know, so. Which, yeah. which, is, which is really important, you know, nowadays, you know, you, you were considered, you know, the, the original American Idol, you know, but going at it through, through the hard way, you know, learning things what would you say today to kids who are just being being plucked out of obscurity with no experience whatsoever and thrown into these uh, yeah you know things? i would hate to be uh, you know in, in that position today i mean i i don't know how talented these people are you know i think show business is absolutely dead you know it's it when i you know thank god for my era I was able to work with people like Red Skelton and Jack Benny and George Burns and Milton Berle and Perry Combe, you know, that's dead. It's, it, 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 so, as far as I'm concerned, you know, today show business is dead. Right. There's nobody out there that I would want to go see. Nobody whatsoever. Right. You know. Right. It, uh, it, it, is a, it is a sad time because mm -hmm. even sitting watching TV, you see the celebrity roast commercials. Oh, for, God, for, or the old Carson commercials, oh, and there was just nothing like yeah, that. The old jumping, the on. old Carol Burnett shows. Mm -hmm. You know, my God in heaven. Yeah, yeah there was something really. Oh, it, it, that yeah, it, it, it's dead. You know, any like my, my wife and I were talking about last night. You know, Stephen Colbert and uh, Jimmy Kimmel and mm -hmm. and, and Fowl. I I don't watch them. It's not like Carson. Not like Letterman. It's not like Steve Allen. It's not like Jack Parr. Mm -hmm. You know. Nah, nah, it's going dead. Yeah, yeah. Well, a, a lot of those acts that that you just mentioned, the Colberts and, and the Kimmels, you know, that they, they kind of pride themselves on their ideals with with their politics and their. Well, that's it. You know, that, and that was something Carson learned. Now you could you isolate know, fifty percent of your audience. Let it go. Yeah, leave it alone. Yeah. You know, that's why you know Colberts. It's it's too political for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. You know, they all are. You know. None of those guys back then really got into that stuff. They never got political. No, because they knew you you could isolate half of your audience. Yeah, right absolutely. And, absolutely. You know, your sponsors don't want it. You know, you take a kid, for instance, you know, you know, uh, like Justin Bieber. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know what he sang, what he recorded, you know. But to be that young, and his mother puts him on YouTube, and all of a sudden, overnight, the man's a multimillionaire. It's so hard to handle mm -hmm. at that time in your life, really. Yeah, and, and like I said, especially with, with these shows like American Idol, where they're, they're literally... Yeah. Now, I've never seen it until this year, so I will be 
open enough to, to say it was nice to see them select people who had some kind of experience, who've, who've been out there in the clubs and, you know, play, paying their dues and, and working hard. Right. And, and, you know, it was a lot of musicians. It was amazing how many people came up auditioning with their own guitars and, you know, writing their own songs and stuff. And, uh -huh. and who've done the coffee houses, who've, who've done the bars and, you know. Absolutely. But, but yeah. there were so many, and there still are so many, where their parents think, oh, their, their child has a great voice. Let's get them into these opportunities. And the next thing they know, they're right in the middle of the windstorm, having had no experience. Not How do you handle a heckler? How do you handle right. playing right. to playing with a cold? Right. How do you handle just simple things? You know, uh, uh, relating to that, uh, my first appearance in Las Vegas for two weeks was, was with George Burns. And, you know, George would go on and then he'd introduce me. And I'd do like 20... 20 minutes then he would come back out and we would do a soft shoe together with a derby and a cane to some of these days and he would sing it like you know Georgia some of these days they, they you're gonna miss me some of these days and I would do it like Darren some of these days you're gonna miss me baby and then we go into a soft shoe you know with a cane and a derby and he was just marvelous to work with you know but when I was done I would stand in the wings every night to watch him. That's homework. To watch That's him, your homework, how right he there. delivered a line, his timing, you know. Mm -hmm. You could do nothing but learn from these people. You know, Jack Benny, you know, not only did I do his TV show, but I went with him on the road. Red Skelton, I did like 10, 12 shows with him. You could do nothing but learn from these people. And they're not one-trick ponies. I'm sorry? They were not one-trick ponies. <laughs> no, 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 no. They could no. go on the piano or they, yeah. they could dance. Yeah, they yeah. Knew, absolutely. They were well, sure. I mean, Red was a clown. Red Skelton was a clown because his father was a clown in mm -hmm. this, you know, in this earth is recurring out now. Now, did you feel pigeonholed into just being a front man once your career got going? No, I never felt pigeon-toed whatsoever. Uh-huh. You know, uh, I don't even know if Frankie uh, Avalon, uh, uh, thought that he was pigeon-toed because of all of the, you know, uh, going to the beach, back to the beach, the beach is coming, we'll go, uh -huh. <laughs> well, you know. I, uh, but, you know, Frank is a marvelous entertainer, he really is. He's a very talented, very talented individual. Uh, so I don't, you know, I, I've never thought that I, you know, was, was there more, was there, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, you're, you're a great entertainer, but did you feel compromising it at points where the real artist in you wanted to come out oh absolutely yeah yeah I mean you know I again because of my dad you know I always I, I don't think I ever listened to when I was younger rock and roll mm -hmm. uh, I listened to big bands I listened to jazz and you know I would go downstairs have my kid downstairs and play you know play to Benny Goodman Tommy Dorsey Tex Benneke Artie Shaw you know Basie all of the big bands and I, my God, I listened to, I think, I was listening to Sinatra when I was 10, 11 years old. And, you know, now that I'm older and I've experienced a lot in my life, I've been through a lot, and uh, I, I'm able to sing about these songs. And, you know, they're it's much more believable mm -hmm. coming from a guy who's 76 years old and has been through a lot of shit in his life, you know, which I have been. So, you know, I love doing the American Songbook. Whereas maybe when I was in my 20s, 
you know, who's going to believe me singing Willow Weep for Me? You know, right. <laughs> you, 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 you haven't even started to live yet, you know. Right. But now I can do it because I've lived through, you know, I've been through a lot of stuff in my life. Yeah, that was something I've always liked. Um, <clears throat> where, and I still feel that way. Maybe I'm just too judgmental with, with certain songs or certain new acts where I, I hear these people singing that they still sound like kids. And they don't oh. know about heartache or something. And I, I would, well, there I love, you go. I love I mean, voices like Levi Stubbs from the Four Tops. Or uh -huh. He sounds like he's had a heartache. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just it's yes. gritty. It's in his voice. Yeah. It's just, there's pain there. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, when did you first know that this is it? I'm, I'm big. The thing, things are happening right now. You know. <laughs> I, you know what, I, I guess it was the first time my manager, Frankie Day, and I were driving on a Jersey Turnpike, you know, from Philly to New York to do whatever we mm -hmm. had to do in New York City. And we're getting into the area where we pick up WABC Radio, and it was Bruce Morrow, you know. And he Cousin said, Brucey. Cousin Brucey, yeah. you know. Uh, he said, here's a new kid from Philadelphia with a record that we think's really going to be big. Here's Bobby Rydell with Kissing Time. I went, oh, wow. You know, it's the first time I heard myself on the radio. <clears throat> I, I don't know. Maybe that was the start of it. You know, hey, this could be the start of something big, you know, uh, from there. So. Did you feel you had to, um, each, <clears throat> each level got bigger, you, you know, because for a lot of people, it would be in steps. Just get something on vinyl. Or now just get something on the radio. Now get something on local local access TV. Well, you know, I was very lucky, you know, in my uh -huh. career, as far as recording-wise. Uh, it was uh, Bernie Lowe, who was the president of Cameo, which later became Cameo Parkway. I think the only, the only uh, I can't even say that it was a wrong move because he never went in that direction uh, where, you know, I could do record something like a Mac the Knife, you know, mm -hmm. Beyond the Sea, so on and so forth. He kept me, you know, in, in that particular era. But then later on in my career, we did things like Volati and Sway and that old black magic, you know. And which now, like, Volati is my, you know, my, my walk-on yeah. music, my walk-off music. It's a trademark. That's it's, a good yeah, brand. Yeah. Really, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I kind of wish that... It, 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 we did an album uh, for uh, Bernie, for Cameo, called An Era Reborn. And I did songs of, you know, being played today or back then, you know, but we did them in the style of the old big bands. We did them like a Benny Goodman, Tex Benicky, Artie Shaw, right. which kind of like was okay. You keep going back to those guys. <laughs> yeah, I weird. mean, you know, yeah. that, that's what I loved, you know. But I, I wish it could have been an album, you know, like uh, uh, like a Darren thing, you know, where where today's big band kind of thing. You know, I love that kind of stuff. Like what Michael yeah. Bublé is doing? I love Blue Blay. Uh -huh. I really like Blue Blay a lot, yeah. And it, it's so funny because the first song that introduced him to the public was Sway, which was a big hit for me. And I remember I was in, and I've been to Australia 23 times in my life. I love it. So I think the last time was 2015, not that long ago. And I'm on stage and I say, I'd like to do a song that a gentleman recorded and uh, uh, was a hit uh, for me back in uh, 1960. 
uh, and and this guy out of the blue in the audience, uh, Australian guy, he says, "You sing it better than him, mate." <laughs> and he, you know, he, I was I was going to talk about Blue Blade, you know, right? Ah, you sing it better than him, mate. <laughs> did you um, did you have to battle, or or do you still battle at times with, uh, or do you have any qualms with having to give into the nostalgia? as opposed to adding new material or do you do both when I, I do both yeah uh as we, you know when i said when i was 10 years old I, i'd listen to sinatra mm -hmm. and i do a lot of i do a lot of you know uh, and, and, and your book has a lot of cool little stories oh yeah sinatra. yeah oh yeah he was wonderful when i first met him i was 19 for crying out loud you know and uh i'd be i became you know not asshole buddies but mm -hmm. you know every time i was you know in his company he always had the time sit down talk you know he was, he was wonderful really wonderful i don't even know there was one story i don't even know if it's in the book maybe you can tell me if it is or not years ago uh sinatra was campaigning for hubert humphrey and he came to the old you know the spectrum in philadelphia mm -hmm. so it was me and my wife camille and uh uh, my two cousins and years ago at the at the spectrum they had a club called the blue line if you know become a member and i was a member because i was a big flyers fan back then when they were the broad street bullies and uh so I'm, we're sitting having dinner prior to sinatra's show guy comes up to me and he says you bobby rydell i said yes sir i am he said mr sinatra would like to see you so, okay so can i take my wife he said well, wait a minute and he said yes you can and and we went back and you know, uh, uh, Sinatra's secretary was a woman called Dorothy Ullman and uh, we're walking in Camille and me and uh, the old man's back is towards me and she says the, you know, Dorothy Dorothy Ullman she says Frank there's or she called him Mr. Sinatra I don't remember there's Bobby he turned around he hugged me kissed my wife you know I had program books he signed them for me yada 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 and he says uh, How's the crowd? I said, well, there's about 26,000 people out there, Mr. Ress. I don't think it's going to be a problem. And then in Italian, I said, stop the bona agenda, you know, and we left. Now, we're sitting about 10 rows back. In the front row is Sid Mark, who, of course, yeah. is, you know, played nothing but Sinatra. And I'm, we're, we're, we're asshole buddies, right. Sid and me. And, and Mike Douglas when he had the Mike Douglas show here in Philly. So at one point, Frank is on stage and he says, I'd like to introduce someone who's a saloon singer such as, my, such as myself. He's a local guy. He said, how about a nice round of applause for my friend? And Sid Mark told me that Mike Douglas was getting out of his seat. Oh, I thought and he said Mike he's Douglas, a Bobby yeah. Rydell. <laughs> <laughs> because Sid was Sid, I you know I didn't know that story. I don't right. even know if it's in the book. Tell you the truth. <laughs> so he's saying, you know, uh, the old man's on stage. And a nice round of applause, for my friend Bobby Rydell. Now you know people are applauding, and he's going he, he, from stage. He says, Where are you, Bobby? I didn't say two words. Everybody around me said, he's here, Frank, he's here. He said, throw the light on him. Now the light comes around, hits me. He gives me one of those. I give him one of those. Now everybody around me is saying, they're hollering to Frank, bring him up, bring him up, Frank, bring him up. Went right into New York, New York. And, and like they said, you know, 
Mr. Sinatra has left the building. Right, the show's done. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> but I mean, to be recognized like that in right. South Philadelphia, mm -hmm. my hometown, you know, my God. That's a great... Oh, yeah, that's, are you kidding? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's a wonderful homecoming thing. That's, that's just... I got a few but it, well, like you said, you know, I kind of got away from it. But you know, of course, I have, you have to do the wild ones, Volatis and mm -hmm. the Sways and the Forget Hims and that. But I interact with you know, I, I talking about Bobby Darren earlier. I do a tribute to Bobby, you know, where I do Splish Splash and and and, and not Splish Splash. We used to do Splish Splash, Dream Lover, Beyond the Sea, Mac the Knife. Now I only do. I just do you know. I, the the thing opens up with ba do da da ba do da da Mac the knife mm -hmm. and I talk about the first time that Bobby came to see me at the Copa and yada 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 and, and uh, so we just do uh, Beyond the Sea and Mac the knife. Uh, what the hell was my point? <laughs> I, 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 my original I question lost. was: Did you um, do you have any qualms doing the nostalgia? Oh yeah yeah right and, and right. adding new no, material. Yeah. So or did you just strictly stay with. No, because, you know, I'll do... Uh, you like mixing it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, like, even on the Golden Boy show with Frankie Avalon and Fabian, like, you know, I'll open up with uh, uh, Goody Goody, you mm -hmm. know, so you met someone who said you... And from Goody Goody, go to Wild One. Wild One, we do Forget Him. Forget Him, I talk about Blue Blay, and then we do Sway. And then I just throw in, I've got the world on the string, you know? And Frankie says, why are you doing that? I said, do you hear you hear when I started, Frank? You hear the response that's coming from audience to stage? You know, and it does. Because, because you gotta fit. The people in the audience are 75, right. 70, 80, you know. So that's their music as well. Did you, you think you'd last this long? No, I didn't. <laughs> you know, I thought I'd be dead in, 2000 and, in the 2012 because I had a double transplant. I had cirrhosis of the liver, you know, so I had the liver and the kidney, you know, and the, the surgeon who did uh, at, at, at Jefferson Hospital, his name was Cataldo Dori from Italia, you know, and after the surgery we used to speak, you know, my bullshit Italian, you know, and uh, he said to my wife, he says, it, and he talked, you know, a little broken, he says, if Obama didn't have it, the, the new liver, he said, maybe, maybe two weeks, I would have been dead. And what has that done for your outlook on life now? How do you how do you handle each day or each time you eat a sandwich or how do you every time you wake up in the morning? How does that affect you? I, I just, I, I, I'll tell you what. I prayed a lot, and I prayed a lot to God, you know, just to get me through it. And uh, you know, now, uh, you know, I learned, you know, what, you know. Because when Camille died, when my first wife died, that's when I started hitting the bottle. I mean, vodka became my dearest friend. I mean, and I drank. I mean, I drank a lot. And um, so, you know, I now. Was I mean, that the first time you you were hit like that, or did what, you? What do you mean? Hit uh, well, um, hit with having to drink, or were you into drugs or anything? Oh no, back, never, back? never, never. So did. like, no, you you. But, but, I mean, when Camille and I would go to dinner, you know, I'd have a martini. Right, but you, know, you, you, you didn't look at look at it for uh, for comfort. Oh no, 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 no. But after she passed away, I mean, there was nobody. You know, when you're in bed, there's nobody to laugh with, nobody to talk to, nobody to cry with, nobody. Right. You know, and it, I mean, I. 
you know, married 35 years, keeping company for 10 years, you know, so when she, she passed, I mean, my, my life was like... You didn't care? I didn't care. No. I really didn't care. I never drank uh, prior to getting on stage. Mm-hmm. After the show was over, <laughs> boom, you know. We're, we're, we're coming close. We're coming close to the end. I got what I usually ask people sometimes called the, the final five. Family excluded. What's your greatest acquisition? My kids. Yeah. Now, aside from them, any any career thing or family excluded? I, I mean, you know, it's, I, it's, it's interesting. When, when it there, I mean, there are so people, many things that, you know, throughout my career, you got to figure yeah. my first hit record, I was 17 years old. I'm 76 years old now. Just to reflect, you know, with the people that I'd had the good fortune to work with, like I mentioned earlier, George Burns, Jack Benny, Red Skelton, Perry Como, Milton Berle, you know, my God, you know, these are things that I'll treasure for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, they're gone. I'm still here, but I can still, you know, look back and remember, you know, the great times I had with those giants. And what's a, what's a typical day in your life? What's a typical day in your life? Who, <laughs> me? When I'm home? <clears throat> and I get up, I watch The Price is Right. <laughs> and before The Price is Right, I, I watch the game show network. And I put on the $25,000 pyramid with Dick Clark. Because I did that. I did the, the, the pyramid, you know, years ago. So I went to the pyramid, I, I watch uh, The Price is Right. Now, surely you had some kind of relationship with Dick. Oh, my right? God, yeah. He, he was yeah. just oh, he Dick was was, one of a kind. Uh, Dick was marvelous. He really was. A, he was a, a gentleman. And, you know, when Bernie Lowe, who was the president of Cavio, I had three records before Kissing Time, and he would take them to Dick. He would take acetates, you know, dubs, and play. And Dick would say, no. Second record, no. Third record, no, that's not fourth record was Kiss of Time. He said, that's a hit. So do you golf during the day? Or do you golf during the day? What do you, what do, you do? I, I, I love to. I, I, I can't play now because I got this broken leg, you right. know, with, uh, but I have a back problem. I have a knee problem. So I don't golf as much as I used to, but I, I, I love I really enjoy playing the game, you know. But you're staying active. Um. I guess the most active I am is when I'm <laughs> when I'm on stage. Other than that, I'm home. And then about one o'clock, I'll go out. I'll meet some friends, have some lunch, and we and we and what do we talk about? Sports, Eagles, Phillies, Flyers. It was a great and, year. Yeah, it was oh, a great my year. God, please, I've been a season ticket holder for the Eagles since 1963. So I've been to Franklin Field. I've been to the Vet. You where know. were you for the Super Bowl? It, I'll tell you where I was for the Super Bowl. I'm at the Philadelphia airport. I have to fly to Minneapolis, and then people are picking me up to take me to Clear Lake City, Iowa, to do a thing called the Winter Dance Party, which but it's kind of like a tribute Buddy where Holly. Buddy Holly yeah. and the Big Bopper went down. Yeah. And Richie Valens. So I leave Philly on uh, February the 2nd. The show is February the 3rd, the 4th is the Super Bowl. I'm flying back home and I'm just hoping, you know, I'm saying, <laughs> just let this plane get out and get me home, yeah. you know. 
And I got home, thank God, because you never knew. You're in Minneapolis, you know, it's mm -hmm. like two degrees below zero. You know, you never know what can happen. And I mean, even Philly as well. So I got home at like 20 after five. And I went to this place on Lancaster Avenue where all the guys are, and I watched the first half of the game, and then I came home and watched the second half at home with my wife. And it, it was wonderful. I was like, oh my God, the whole please, time, please. The whole time when Gronkowski got in the middle. And oh, you know, that scared the hell out of yeah. me. I said, that, you know, <laughs> at that particular point, even if they scored, it was still had to go for the two-point conversion yeah. to tie. But it was Brady. You know he would do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, know he and, would and, pull and, it off. I mean, that, that, that Hail Mary in the end zone. Mm -hmm. he, no, I mean, Gronkowski came close. Very close. Came close to catching that ball. What's your favorite motto? Do you have a favorite motto? Not really. <laughs> the only motto that I remember, I think maybe when I was 10 years old, be prepared. Be prepared. The Boy Scouts. Scouts. The Boy Scouts. <laughs> What's your greatest lesson not learned in school? And I'm sure most of them. Greatest lesson not learned in school. Mm. I have to think about that. Greatest lesson not learned in school. I don't know, being Italian, you know, and being born and raised in South Philadelphia, just the love, warmth, and respect, you know, that the, the family meant to me, you right. know, back then. I mean, uh, I don't think I've ever learned, because we had nuns mm -hmm. <laughs> who beat the hell out of you, you know. <laughs> but but you, I'm sure you learned things where someone pulled you aside and just gave you tips, or just, especially watching those guys, you know, doing their I, acts. I had one tip, I'll never forget, from Red Skelton. And I did a lot of shows with him. I, he invited me out to his house in Palm Springs. His wife said, I can count on one hand the number of people Red has invited out to Palm Springs. And the one thing he said to me, remember, Bobby, never lower your price. <laughs> That's a big deal. Yeah. That's a real big never deal. Never lower your price. Do you get mad or do you get even? I get mad. Mm -hmm. I, I don't get even. I just, I get mad. Yeah. yeah. But then it goes away. You know. Just let it go. I, yeah, I just let it go. What's the future for Bobby Rydell? What's coming up? Hopefully to keep on doing what I'm doing, you know. And uh, thank God, you know, being 76 years old and all of the stuff that I've been going through, that I went through, my chops are still great. I mean, I'm, I'm singing great. I, uh, I, I could sing just about any tune that you possibly could know. What are you doing for your voice? Smoking. <laughs> Everybody said, why do you escape? <laughs> I don't know. I've been smoking since 10 years old. I'm thinking you got this elixir, you do these nah, little and stuff. None of that stuff. I just go out there, you know. Whatever comes out, I comes out. Baby the hell out of my voice. Do you really? Yeah. Well, nah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, I don't know, but I think smoking gave me some kind of timber, you know. It, yeah. Maybe a little gravel here and there, you know, which the old man had. So when you I'm know. your age and I'm sitting on the other side of that chair and this exactly. kid's interviewing me, was any any tips that you ever learned? What bit of advice? Smoke. Smoking. <laughs> Smoke. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I've taken It was a pleasure, Dan. Thank you. Thank you very much. For more on Bobby Rydell, you can find him on Twitter at... Bobby Rydell. To purchase his book, Bobby Rydell, Teen Idol on the Rocks, go to bobbyrydell.com.
I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions or comments, hit me up at danmorrowmusic at gmail.com. That's danmorrowmusic, D-A-N-M-A-R-R-O, music at gmail.com. And find me on social media at danmorrowmusic and hashtag danmorrowmusic. Have a great day. See you next time.